Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. We're going to go pretty quick this week because we have some exciting stuff coming up on the pod. An interview with William Ivy Long, which we'll get to in just a sec. But a couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group at Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating of five stars if you're so inclined. And send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Woohoo! How are you, Roberta? How's your week going? Uh, you know, just getting back from a road trip. How was your vacay? It was good. It was good. Um, it was great to, you know, like we talked about last week, like driving is just a little less anxiety inducing. Um, but it's good to be back. How was how was your weekend? It was great. I mean, we actually got out. We went blueberry picking. We went really early to kind of keep the distance from people. But I it was awesome. And my so son, who has hated blueberries his entire life, ate about 100. So no. <laughs> but we have a very extra special, a very extra special episode of the pod today. We're chatting with William Ivy Long, the costume designer for Diana, A True Musical Story. Reminder, that was set to debut on Broadway in March, right around the time that COVID hit, which was the biggest disappointment of our lives. I know you had tickets, Seriously. right, Roberta? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sad. Um, it will be back. Yeah. I'm hoping to see it. I can't wait. Uh, William is a lifelong royalist, so it was a treat to chat with him about the show and Diana's most iconic looks in real life. But that's not all. We're discussing Megan's keynote at the Girl Up conference, Kate's Zoom with a tennis legend, and some major news about the crown. But as Roberta said, we're going to speed through. So we have plenty of time for the interview. Here we go. Yes. So we always have time for a royal cocktail, though. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. So our royal refreshment this week. Cheers. Cheers, Roberta. You're going to be proud of me. I actually mixed up a cocktail. I didn't go the rosé route. Same. <laughs> same. So we're drinking gin this week. Um, so some of you might have heard that the Queen launched a Buckingham Palace gin. It's infused with lemon, verbena, hawthorn berries, mulberry leaves, Sounds really good. Sounds All delicious. handpicked from the gardens at Buckingham Palace, so the queen's own um, produce, I guess. And so the recommendation from the palace is to serve it with tonic water and garnish it with a slice of lemon, which is kind of surprising because we've always heard that the queen likes it with Dubonnet. Where's the Dubonnet? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Dubonnet. Du- du- oh, where's Micah when we need her? It's du- Dubonnet. 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 Micah, we got you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm drinking um, Hendrix with a splash of cranberry and tonic water. So I still have remnants, remnants of the Monkey 47. 47. Yes. Um, and so I mixed that with tonic water and a slice of lemon, as you can see it on top. So pretty. Because cheers. I was like, I got I want to follow the recipe. Cheers. cheers. Through the We're cheersing through the Zoom uh, feed here. Someday soon in person again. So instead of a reader email this week, we wanted to discuss this amazing escapism thread in the Royally Obsessed Facebook group started by Kayla. Okay, this is what Kayla said. If money was no object, whose royal wedding dress would you have custom made for yourself? Go, Bowie. Literally the best question ever. And I thought about it so much. And I feel like I'm taking the most like obvious answer, but I have a good reason for it. I'm going to say my pick is Kate Middleton's Alexander McQueen wedding dress. But it's, I knew it. But I, <laughs> it's like the obvious choice. It's a gorgeous dress, the it nine is. foot it's train, beautiful. it's everything, the Cartier Tierra. But my reasoning is the tailoring. I just think that 
when she stepped out, it was just like yeah. the fit of it. It just reminded me how vital a good tailor is. And I just loved that dress. And I loved the long sleeves, something that you just don't see as often in, in dresses nowadays. What about you? I think I have to go, and you put this as your backup choice, and I have to go with it. Meghan Markle's Stella McCartney reception dress. I'm like, I mean, I'm bowing down via the Zoom. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that, like, that's what I want my wedding dress to look like. I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> the halter, the backless, when she paired it with the giant aquamarine ring. Oh, my God. And. Just- you just need also that that beautiful car that she stepped into while wearing right. it. Right, <laughs> of course. I mean, you have to have the, the real accessory. Jaguar. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. You have. But to. shout out to Kayla. Come on, that was a really fun distraction. I think we need Such more of those in the Facebook group. Yes, yes, I would love that. Love it. All right, guys. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. Happy 73rd birthday, Camilla Parker Bowles. Happy birthday. 73. After listening to her radio interview last week, she's so youthful and talking about ballet and everything. The Uh, elegant swan. The elegant swan. Camilla Rosemary Shand was born on July 17th, 1947 in East London at King's College Hospital, for reference, almost a year before Prince Charles was born on November 14th, 1948. She was the eldest daughter of Bruce and Rosalind Shand. Rosalind? Probably Rosalind. She grew up on a large country estate in Plumpton, Sussex, with her younger sister and brother. Her father was a successful wine merchant and vice lord lieutenant of East Sussex. That meant she socialized with members of Britain's royal circles from a very young age. She was also an avid reader as a kid and a dog and cat lover, too, and her father used to take her fox hunting for fun, which... I think it's very sounds so exhilarating and different from things that we do here. Yeah, it wouldn't happen today, probably. Yeah, it wouldn't happen today. Um, eventually, she headed off to the Queen's Gate School in in South Kensington, and there her friends called her Milla, and she as she was described by classmates. I like the name nickname Milla. I, think I do that's too. Really I think that that kind of is a cool. We don't hear that anymore. Milla. Um, her great grandmother Alice Keppel was a mistress of King Edward the Seventh, and according to reports, classmates remember Milla walking into class at age ten, proclaiming, "My great grandmother was the lover of the king. I'm practically royalty." Now, who knows if this really happened? This sounds like something. It like was in a biography. Some... Yeah. Oh, okay. so it wasn't. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. It, that's I would kind of went down the path of checking out the sources. It was in a royal biography about her. That's so. really funny, though. It's funny. I mean, that, that was her claim to fame. Yeah, before. right. Yeah. Um, her first job was out of school as an assistant at, as an assistant at the decorating firm Colfax, but she got fired after coming in late from a dance the night before. She was apparently a partier. She loved going out, um, but. To be fair, she got fired. The boss was supposedly a hothead, so notoriously. She met her first husband, Andrew Parker Bowles, at a debutante ball, and the pair married in 1973. Of course, she met Prince Charles at a polo match in 1970, and the rest is, well, royal history. So first, we just want to say a huge happy birthday to Camilla. I feel like that radio show last week was such a joy, and I think it kind of – the fact that it lines up with your birthday gave us this kind of – additional insight into your life right now but who you are and it was a lot of fun to listen and get to know her better yeah I mean I loved I've loved hearing more about her during quarantine and how um she really has opened up a lot lately like I feel like her wearing jeans in the radio show um the what guest editing the radio show and and um being more casual we've seen just a more casual side of her talking about her hating the internet like I just feel like she has really um, come into her own in the past few months um, and has really grown on me a lot doing the uh, 
Tika with TD, uh, James and the Giant Peach reading that she did. So yeah, I, I think that she's really um, become a lot more relatable over the past few months. Yeah, I think that she just seems like she kind of is one of the few royal family members, as Samir men- mentioned, that she kind of just, you know, does her own thing. And she obviously within protocol, but I, I do think that it's a lot of fun to kind of hear about her quirks and her interests. Totally. And I love thinking about... Um, uh, just like you mentioned the partying thing, like I love thinking about the crown and how that was probably pretty accurate. I just feel like she was such a partier. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so our first news bullet of the week, we just saw, and so we record this on Tuesday, so we just saw Meghan Markle do a keynote speech for the Girl Up Leadership Summit. And boy, were we jazzed to watch this just now. Bowie and I were like By the skin of our teeth, we got it into this episode, guys. We really were like sweating a little bit. Yeah, we were. (laughs) So let's play that amazing clip. I am extraordinarily proud of what you've already accomplished. Please continue to honor the conviction and compassion that's awoken within you. I will be cheering you on. So will my husband. So will Archie. As you all continue marching, advocating and leading the way forward. So I feel like I have chills listening to it again. We are going to just speed right through this, but I wanted to talk first just about her appearance. Yeah. Her hair. It looks incredible. Long. Oh my God. It looks amazing. But it also is kind of for me when I thought I was like, it's like quarantine hair. Like, I mean, it's, I love how it looks, but it's funny because none of us have gotten haircuts during this time. So the length was just like the first thing I noticed. I'm like, Megan is all of us. <laughs> totally. I loved um, this quote. Journalist Sophie Gallagher tweeted on, t- uh, she said on Twitter, Megan Markle is bringing full Los Angeles celebrity hotness for her speech. No more royal hairstyles, covered shoulders, or minimal makeup. She is back. That is a great tweet. That was a good it find. It is. And it's just, it summarizes, like, I feel like she really has come into her own. She's not held back anymore by maybe um, certain royal protocols about appearance or whatever. And so I just loved it. She was wearing a royal blue top, possibly by Adam Lips. I oh, OK. Lip. Um, that's what supposedly shout out to Megan's mirror blog for always having the ID first. Um, so that's supposedly by him um, and then a Cartier love bracelet. And so she speaks about pushing forward even when others try to silence you. She talks about the good and bad of social media. She calls out Prime Minister of New Zealand Jacinda Ardern and also WNBA star Maya Moore um, just for their efforts and how um, as leaders they've really you know been role models for so many of us. And she says, quote, believing in true equality is not enough. It's going to take more than belief. We have to work toward it every day. And she also quotes the Dalai Lama. She says, compassion is the radicalism of our time, um, quoting him. She has so many quotable moments in this. It's, It's really kind of amazing. My favorite part was really, you know, that, you know, she said, your gut will tell you what's right and what's wrong, what's fair and unfair. The hardest part and was the hardest part for me is to chase your convictions with action. I thought that that was a really... Whether or not she meant to reference, you know, her personal experience leaving the royal family or not, I do feel like it. that part is really empowering that you have to trust your inner voice and compass and make that move based you, – you, you really have to go against what other people expect of you. Yeah, And I, totally. I thought that was particularly – that resonated with me a lot. So impactful. And I feel like, yeah, just like her saying, even having the conviction, you also need the action. And so I think that that just really um, kind of 
you know, echoes what Harry and Meghan are doing right now and, and forging their own path. Um, I also just wanted to draw attention to how excited the moderators were to yes. announce her. They were so cute and so amazing. And they fangirled so hard and were like clapping her on. And it was just it was it was really great. The whole conference has been really good. I feel like dipping in and out and seeing the other other speakers. It's really, I mean, very inspiring, especially, you know, from your couch where you yeah. feel removed from everyone. Hillary Clinton, Sheryl Sandberg, Michelle Obama, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, they were all part of this um, and all gave kind of pretty short speeches, but speeches nonetheless. So excited to hear from them. All right. So Kate has also had a busy week. Not only did she Zoom with Andy Murray in a classroom full of kids, she's teaming up with a new platform for parents called Tiny Happy People. So we were graced with another exclusive interview this morning that aired um, on the BBC. In it, she chats with three families in the Garden of Sandringham and reveals some exciting new tidbits about the Cambridge kids. We're going to play a short clip from that. I was just saying, Louis doesn't understand social distancing. So he goes out like wanting to cuddle everything and particularly any babies younger than him. I just feel like any sort of reference to Louis' antics during quarantine is a delay. And we also, other quarantine revelations that she shared, my children are have bottomless pits. I feel like a constant feeding machine for them. She also <laughs> talks about how the Tiny Happy People program is basically gold dust for parents, helping them navigate a critical time for children's development. I don't know. Anytime Kate talks about parenting things, you know, as she did with the five big questions on the under fives, I just think that it she comes alive and she is so engaged and not that she isn't with other things, but it really is a sweet spot and close to her heart for her. Yeah. And I kind of think that she like knows that we're looking for like these tidbits of the kids and like, not to say that like the, you know, her cause is so important too, but I think like we really are like on the edge of our seats waiting for her to talk about Louis and Charlotte and George. And so I think she knows when to drop it and when and when to drop these little, you know, exciting things about Louis in quarantine and how, you know, he can't do social distancing or that she's constantly trying to keep up with her kids' appetites. Like I just think she knows when to have these little relatable instances and then also work it into the bigger cause and platform that she's championing. So I, I just think she's She's really an expert at these engagements now. Yeah. No, she looks great. And she was wearing a black and polka white black and white polka dot dress by Amelia Wickstead and rocked another new hairstyle. We got I, her hair was definitely lighter. She's like I feel like she has to have someone doing it because she has Yeah, she gotten, had to go to the salon for that. She didn't do right? yeah. Like, the change is so dramatic. So it's like a short, short layers in the front, which kind of I thought like Megan and Kate kind of on the same page with that, like layers. Um like face framing layers around the front and then like a blonde brown blonde I want to say yeah bronze color a lot lighter though and her tan like from what if they've been like outside a lot like she just looks like amazing also worth mentioning is that she started this project back in November 2019 so it's kind of I mean she's really been laying the foundation for it for a long time and it has a lot of meaning I think that it's ultra important too because moms really do need that support and it's kind of the great equalizer parenting so love hearing from her on that but also she about that tennis zoom Kate celebrated the final weekend of what would have been Wimbledon if not for COVID by zooming with Bond Primary School and Andy Murray which I I also thought was so fun so sweet so sweet I just I think multiple points scored no pun intended by by Uh, oh Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a tennis player, so you know. Yeah, I I just love all the tennis stuff that she does. Um, But in particular, her tennis dress by HVN, which retails for- Harley Vera Newton. Yeah, and it retails for 775 bucks. I was a little bummed about that because maybe I would have purchased it, but it is also sold out. 
that said, there's a couple of variations, but I thought, you know, it's just kind of on the nose, very clever of her. And just, you know, as we said before with the BBC interview, her rapport with the kids, she's just slowly back. And when they guess who the, who is joining the zoom, cause Andy Murray was a surprise. I love her playful sort of joke whisper when she's like, you are right. Like, <laughs> you know, she's not, I definitely yes. didn't do that justice, but, but I think that no, she has just an easygoing air to her always. So next up, we are so excited to share our conversation with William Ivy Long, costume designer for Diana, A True Musical Story, which, as Bowie mentioned, was supposed to be on Broadway. It has been delayed, but we had the most lovely conversation with him. So here it is. Roros, we have a very special guest joining us today, the illustrious William Ivy Long. William is the Tony Award winning costume designer behind the upcoming Broadway show Diana, A True Musical. In fact, he's won six Tony Awards for his work on Broadway shows, including Hairspray, The Producers, Cinderella, and he's been nominated for 15. Yes, he's the man behind all 35, 38. William, we wanted to confirm with you, how many Princess Diana costume changes are there in the show? Oh, it, it's Well, you know, they, they've been left alone for several months. They may have written some more scenes, but yeah. when, we, <laughs> when we went on hiatus, she had 38 changes. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, but so 38 changes. You heard it from him, but he's also a huge and long-term Royal fan. William, welcome to Royally Obsessed. We're thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So should we should we dive right into your Royal Obsession? So we yes. want to talk about when you first fell in love with the Royals and what drew you in. Oh, what drew me in? I think there are many things that drew me in. Um, I guess I should say my grandmother was from England. And so my mother was half English with two grandfathers born in the UK. That was my mother. So that side, but it was always sort of lighthearted. Like we toast the queen on her birthday. And even though I wasn't, I didn't know what toasting, you know, like that. So there was always a reverence Mm -hmm. and there was a picture of Queen Victoria hanging on the wall. And then the current queen who was of course queen since right after I was born. Um, and so there was that sort of tongue in cheek, uh, Royal, you know, uh, fascination. And then as I got older, I realized, oh, Prince Charles and I are the same age. What do you make of that? And so he sort of became my, uh, you know, I followed him going, oh, well, look, that's a different style of life. (laughs) 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 And so there's that. So that's how it began. Skip to, and I was, I'm crazy about Prince Charles. I'm just going to tell you, I really am. I have all his books. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, His books on gardening, on architecture, his watercolors. And uh, I've always identified with him in that way that, um, you know, the plebeians identify with their betters, as it were, (laughs) going back to millennia. Um, But I've always been, been interested in to see how his, and he's had rather a painful childhood. So, uh, and I didn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there, Prince Charles. <laughs> Differences, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> that's how it started. And then guess who came on the scene and changed the game? Princess Diana. I was already at school, college, and uh, I just couldn't get enough. I thought, wow, a oh, wowza. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. And yeah. shaking it up and make it, well, she didn't start shaking it up until after the marriage and the babies and and things, but just the fairy tale nature. I thought, oh, this is unbelievable. And there I was, a grown person, yeah. you know, absolutely fascinated. And um, people, all my friends would give me 
not tea towels, thank goodness, but they would give me mugs. I have this huge, and it wasn't <laughs> just me getting, they would come from all over because they knew I was uh, fascinated. <laughs> so I have this great collection. And, um, and that was oh, still tongue in cheek. It was still tongue in cheek. I'm getting to the real commitment. Here we go. And we didn't know, of course, a lot of the story of what was happening behind the scenes because yeah. we weren't supposed to. I mean, back right. then, it wasn't polite to know, to ask or to know, you know, that was private life right. and what your life was, was private. So it was only years later. So, but that Andrew Morton book, we started hearing a bit about. And I I'm must currently I, rereading that, actually. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, it's well, been you know, really good quarantainment. He saw our show out in La Jolla. Oh, he did? Andrew wow. Morton did. He's a big supporter of ours and helps us with a few facts. That's great. And, uh, that's his job, you know, facts, fact checking. Yep. So um, <sighs> then she became even more real. And I was sorry to see the divorce. I've many friends are divorced and there's much about it, you know, that I know how painful that is for all, all parties. But then, oh my goodness, when she moved into her, you know, phase of walking the landmines and, but first, but first, shaking hands without a glove to an AIDS patient. And I tell this story mm -hmm. to my friends and now it's out there because I've already told it. But the same week that I visited one of my friends in the hospital, St. Vincent's is the hospital. And um, we had to wear hazmat clothes. And I've double checked this with friends of mine, but we really did have to wear them. With gloves and shoes and things on your head and all that. I don't remember the masks so oddly, but we did have all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Hmm. And uh, all thrown away after we left the room of where the, of, of our friend. And uh, I got home, and I think it was the same day, but it was definitely very close. I saw the People magazine with the picture of Princess Diana shaking an AIDS patient <laughs> with no gloves. And here hmm. I am in the most sophisticated, you know, city in the world, covered in, you know, in uh, biotech uh, fabric. So that made right. me weep of course as we mm -hmm. all did we're doing a lot of that day that time but it i just i really ratcheted into another level of support for her and then everything she did was just supreme and superb and how she navigated all of that even though i did feel it was a bit anarchistic how she was treating the 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 firm the royal family but i <laughs> so committed to her i did have I had issues with some of the behavior, yeah. But she herself was just such a a, a beacon of light. And then yeah. the landmines—I mean, I can't even go there. And her with Mother Teresa, and then, of course, on my fiftieth birthday, that's when the accident happened in the tunnel in in Paris, and we were in Nantucket wow. and running around trying to find a television, and no one had a TV, so we finally wow. found one. And then that day, you know, your 50th birthday, you're halfway done. Oh, <laughs> gosh, and, yeah. uh, and there she was at this incredible young age, having devoted herself to all these great things. So that's my journey mm -hmm. of respect. Fairy tale, magical, relating to Charles, and then totally being a big supporter of hers, and which I remain to this very day. And I think our show, our, our production, Diana the Musical, or what are they calling it now? 
Princess Diana. I think Diana. it was a Diane, Diana, a true musical is what the website a says. True musical. Yeah. True musical. And, uh, <laughs> well, expect, you know, that's okay. That's good. I call yeah. it Princess Diana, the musical. Okay. But um, <laughs> I think it's, it's uh, ultimately, she's a hero. Um, she's a star and she's a leader. And mm -hmm. she gets through a lot mm -hmm. of muck and mire until she reaches that, that place. But Absolutely. she's there now. Yeah. So what made her to you such a fashion icon? And yeah, because she's also a Diana. fashion icon. <laughs> and then there's that. I haven't even mentioned clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't get into that. Clothes. Just scratch the surface. Just yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> really is that I, but first things first, what I was just describing is why we're so attracted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Her. She mm -hmm. herself and who she was inside in her heart. That came first. And what she yeah. did. Absolutely. But along the way, <laughs> well, she became, yes. there have been royal superstars before. Uh, the most recent mm -hmm. one in the royal family was Queen Alexandra. Hmm. And she invented mm -hmm. styles of dressing. And she was just a fashion plate, basically through about three generations <laughs> until she died because she was so chic, really chic. Now there's difference in being fashion plate and being chic. Um, we'll get into that or maybe we won't, but she really <laughs> was chic princess, uh, our, our queen Alexander. She was princess Alexander, but she was a princess of Wales, of course, mm -hmm. to um, queen Victoria, as you know. So the fashion plate, which we're not talking, saying chic, as I said, that's a whole different thing. Yes. But just embracing fashion, wearing the right thing at the right time. Um, I think she has influenced even the queen. The queen looks so good today, I think, because of Princess Diana, setting, wow. the, setting that bard so high. Angela Kelly and then Stephen, I'm forgetting what his last name is, the two people who make the queen's clothes. They really are, they've got the right color, they've got the right proportion. And I know it's all because uh, uh, Princess Diana ratcheted up the, the challenge to what should I wear to be seen? What should I wear to comment on what we're doing at this event? Uh, of course, no one can beat the current queen with those brooches. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know, I know. <laughs> I bet you've already had some uh, uh, complete uh, segments just on those brooches. We've definitely talked about oh, them. Yeah, they're, yeah they're the leak one recently. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, but but she she really did establish herself as a fashion she did. icon. In fact, she also and I I haven't done a uh, a scholarly treatment yet of this subject, but I do believe she herself, Princess Diana, Princess of Wales, basically affected the current red carpet well who knows what the current red carpet is if they'll yeah be one. <laughs> if they'll be one again but before all this there was a culture of the red carpet and mm -hmm. i really feel she she affected that and we are following in her red carpet footsteps mm -hmm. Absolutely. that's a big statement that is that is a really big statement. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think she also, like you said, she kind of set the bar for the queen. And it seems like she paved that way for, you know, the next generation, like with Kate and Meghan and all of the different royals that have come oh, behind her. I mean, I feel like, they, you know, it, it, there's there's so much around, you know, everything that they wear has so much meaning and significance. And we personally, both Roberta and I really, really spend a lot of time looking into that. 
Well, I, I follow several um, on Instagram. It's the only thing I follow. Mm-hmm. And I follow uh, Kate and William, of course, and Megan and Harry and Clarence House. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Queen. Mm-hmm. The Queen still wins at this moment. Yes. She's still the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> where's the best? Where's the best things? So I follow that. And because the, 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 the challenge that Princess Diana set up, are you going to be a better person? Are you going to make the world better as a royal that we look up to? She set that challenge and every one of them is following and has embraced that challenge. So again, it's not the clothes. It's the how they use their clothes uh, to support wet, whatever, red, either red carpet or de- barefoot down the country lane, you know? Yeah. They, uh, we, we judge them on that. And she set that bar. Yeah, it's so true. I keep true. saying that. I, I mean, I, she did. Going to the bar, setting the bar. <laughs> it's the theme of that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you summarize Diana the Musical for our listeners in a couple of sentences? What does it cover? I will tell you, the overview is there are no villains. We are not blaming. There is no villains. There are a complicated group as if thrown together by random of people with very interesting stories, backstories, uh, complicated personal intrigues, and they were mashed up together, <laughs> mashed up together by the, the, the spirits. And so the way this plays out, you see each person's uh, point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, added that organizing uh, sense of, of uh, storytelling after the out-of-town tryout. We had extra characters and they've eliminated some of the extra characters. So you can see Camilla's point of view. Interesting. You can see Charles's, of course. And of course, you can see uh, Princess Diana's and the Queens. Mm-hmm. So you're able to see all these different mm-hmm. points of view. And they're ju- they were, it, it seems as if they were just destined for a mashup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the backgrounds, the expectations were so very different. Um, the right. naivete of a young lady believing in princes and princesses. Her family were courtiers. She grew up on the you know, her father and grandfather worked for the for the firm. Yeah. So it wasn't that she didn't know what the game was, but she that spell was so indelible. And then to just see how it played out, that's the story. And everyone comes off very human, and I feel uh, respectful. R- respect, you know, we respect them. Uh, they got through it. Yeah. Gosh, they we, got through it. We cannot wait to see this. I, I'm counting that's the days. Yeah, that's yeah. that's in a nutshell. I don't need to tell you what happened because everyone yeah. knows. <laughs> especially this crowd. <laughs> yeah, especially this, this crowd. crowd. Exactly. Exactly. How that's did you true. get involved with the? I mean, you were involved when it was in La Jolla. Am I saying La Jolla? La, La Jolla. La Jolla. Oh my gosh. Yeah. La Jolla. La Jolla. La Jolla. So basic of me. La Jolla. How did you get involved? Yeah. You know, I got involved in the most, uh, well, it's not embarrassing because the, this is one of those ends that justifies the means. I had worked with the director, Christopher Ashley. I'd done several plays with him in one musical mm-hmm. uh, over the years, over 20 years. We're about the same age, although he still looks younger. Damn him. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> and um, so anyway, he's great and so smart. He did, he most recently directed one of Tony Award for Come From Away. Okay. So he can tell a passionate story. 
And I read in the paper that he, in the paper, that he was directing <laughs> a Princess Diana the musical. And I just called him up and I said, Christopher, are, when are you next in New York? I want you to come by the studio. Well, as, as it turned out, he was between planes and had like three or four hours, came by my studio. And what I had done is surrounded my studio with, all, with, with printouts, with Xeroxes from all of my books, some from online, but mostly all the books I had. I had a hundred royalty books. Wow. And I spread wow. them all out. And I sort of uh, ambushed him. It was a guerrilla attack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I have to do this musical. So uh, luckily we had worked together before and had a great working relationship, but this one really solidified it. And it's a really great, uh, he's a great storyteller. That's so that's how I that's how I got the job. I I was uh, shameless. That's but that's shameless. what you got to do. You got to you know make sure you get the opportunity. You got to do it whatever way you can. That's it. <laughs> that's, it. that's the American way. That is the American <laughs> way. It. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that you know what I really enjoyed about our conversation. For full disclosure, William and I had the chance to talk um, back in pre-COVID days, and I loved when we went through a few of the key looks from the show, and you kind of gave a bunch of background about how the creative process and what the messaging you thought Diana hoped to. So we'd love to have you talk through a couple of those. But we also just before we talk about that, we'd love to have you tell us how you selected those 38 looks that appear in the show and what it was like to ha possibly edit those down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, oh, good. Thanks for the sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, the playwright, Joe Pietro and the director, Christopher Ashley, selected most of the looks. The playwright, because he told the story with... Uh, indelible moments that we need to recreate. Not copycat right. exactly, because that doesn't serve a purpose. We have a different uh, Princess Diana. We have a different time. Mm -hmm. We like now mm -hmm. things to fit in a different way. You know, the 80s were... <laughs> someone has a lot to answer for for the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so true, wise. so true. But, but she pulled it off anyway. <laughs> but... Uh, when we look at the 80s now, we go, ooh, 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 ouch. And so I've adapted to <laughs> keep the spirit, but yet to say, ah, isn't that magnificent? I want that dress. Yes. You know, that's that's been the, the, the final fitting detail. But back before as to answer your question, is that uh, Joe DiPietro chronologically, you know, set up certain of the looks and we touch those bases. Then Christopher, when there was a, like there's a uh, end of act one magical transformation series of boom, 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 where she learns that her power, uh, that she has power with the press and she has power uh, through the, the choices of clothing that she wears and the way she accessorizes and wears them. So Christopher actually set that up. He was very familiar with, and then my room, my basement, which is just filled, still to this day, filled and I've done several things since, but it's still filled with uh, all this imagery. And he picked. Then, every now and then, there was an at-home look where we were not privy mm -hmm. to what that was. And that is where I had to imagine what would she wear at mm -hmm. home. Many of them were quick changes. Many of them, she's getting ready to go out. So I had, knew what the mm -hmm. outlook, you know, putting on the jacket ended up looking like. Right. Yeah. What was she wearing yeah. under it? So we did a, a bit of that. And as I said, they're all interpretations. They pay homage to the designers, Belba Sassoon, of course, Ka of course, Catherine Walker. And, uh, and they're, they're 12 
designers that I list in my bio. In fact, my bio, I don't say what I've done. I say what they do. Yeah. So, oh, my God. They hats off. Hats off to the original designers of the clothes that we feature in the show. But then your modernization of that, I think that uh-huh. that's such an interesting aspect of it because you do want people to aspire to wear what you're seeing. You like, want them to go out and buy yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we want to do. Right. <laughs> you, you want them to wear yeah. it, yeah. you know, because they're, they're still <laughs> drop dead gorgeous. I've, um, there's, a, there's one uh, instance uh, with the shoulder pads that I had pulled in the shoulder pads on one of the gowns. And then it was used in a special way where it had to have a pal uh, factor. And I added them back. And we really actually <laughs> used that 80s pal. Of course, they fit. The rest of the wow. dress fit. But there was a, I underestimated it. And then I added it back, and it's a real pal. Wow. And, uh, the, uh, uh, Gina Duvall, the, uh, the actress playing, the brilliant, brilliant, dynamic uh, actress playing Princess Diana, she is uh, actually the one who encouraged me. She said, you know, I know th- we took these in. She said, what if we... And I said, let's, let's try it. And we got some more fabric. To- and I said, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's power dressing oh, to the nth degree. I know. I kind of like that so symbolism a- behind the shoulder pads. I never thought of it. The pow. <laughs> There's a pow. It's yeah. a pow and a power. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I recently watched a royal fashion documentary. And one of the anecdotes that I love that I didn't know if you had heard of this before was that um, – Prince William was telling Princess Diana which pieces to select for that auction at Christie's. And so he was telling her, like, this dress is way too worn looking. You know, this one is, you know, not going to sell. Do you think that Prince William and Prince Harry were there often with her when she was selecting her outfits? Or what what is your take on that? And the favorite comment on that was, is that he thought the Elvis dress was too, too, too flashy. Elvis dress being the pearls (laughs) with the high collar, which she nicknamed Mm -hmm. the Elvis dress. And she may have nicknamed it that because uh, he made such fun of her about (laughs) it. But it was a a real razzle-dazzle, but it's also glorious. And uh, yeah, Catherine Walker again. And I had to simplify that too because our Princess Diane is more petite and couldn't have the... it's still hand beaded uh, with 10 billion pearls, but it uh, doesn't have a, a pronounced border. But well, to, to, that, to that question, um, I bet you, no, I don't think they were there with her picking things out. I think she had a really good team. We now, I've got yeah. the two books by um, the, the, uh, the couture, couture tour designer uh, for the Queen right now. And she's written two books. I got several copies for Christmas of the latest one. Several people gave them to me. <laughs> and the, di- the dynamic is very personal between the wearer and the, the lady-in-waiting in charge of the, the m- mistress of the robes. But in this case, uh, the, the maker of the designer of the robe. So I think that was the, the choosing was done um, between Princess Diana. I do not know who her main person was, the name, but uh, let's just say Catherine Walker was, because she certainly created some mm-hmm. indelible imagery. But I bet you, Princess Diana, she was so open and loving with her boys. I bet you they came in and watched her get dressed, like we all used to watch yeah. our mothers get dressed. Yeah, so absolutely. For fancy yeah, right, fancy exactly. balls and 
things like that. Yeah, well, I did want to mention one thing that that you talked about when we previously spoke about how Diana actually used a camera to see how she looked ahead of wearing looks in public. That's so fascinating. I don't. So modern. The first time I ever, it's so modern. Maybe someone did this before. Well, they had mirrors. I know that that Queen Mm. Alexandra had a room of mirrors. Interesting. That she would walk in and you could see. You could see the back because she really wanted to know how the back looked, what the side looked. And back then, there was corseting. I mean, it was total control. I mean, there was no detail left unchosen. Oh, and I forgot to say, after uh, Queen Alexandra, the next and the only next really chic royal was Princess Marina, uh, the Duchess of Kent. Oh, and she was very okay. chic, very chic. And I use the word chic in the correct French, yeah. Frenchified sense. But um, and I don't, but I don't know about her room of mirrors. But obviously, she knew what she looked like coming and going. Mm-hmm. But what Princess Diana did is she had herself videoed by an assistant walking through a door. What you look like as the door opens? What? How does the train wow. look? How long huh. before the door shuts? but also just details of turning the head because everyone has a better side. I mean, everyone does. Everyone, Every, right. Except, by the way, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, remember the actress? Yeah, of course. Natalie Wood from the back, back a while ago. Natalie Wood is the only person who was completely symmetrical. They measured, they did a Life magazine used to do things like that. Oh, let's measure people. And do we still recognize <laughs> them if we cut them in half and double them? A lot of people, you don't. Yeah. She was the only one completely... Um, symmetrical. Part of the huh. attraction is people are lopsided with a quirk, you yeah. know, and, and it's beautiful. So Princess Diana had different sides. Also, I think it probably because sometimes she would switch very, she had a way of which shoulder when she did an off the shoulder, but I've seen it the other way. You have to be careful because they switch, um, cameras but you can always tell by the side they wear the order on it's always this side the left oh wow and that's their good side that's their good well that's the side you have to wear the homage to the queen the homage to the queen okay so so anyway that doesn't change but you can so anyway um yes and i remember reading about it at the time i said well isn't that brilliant yeah it is so brilliant wants to see what the camera people what what the photographers are going to see so that was that was pretty avant. That's very that was- smart. That's that's incredible. Well, I feel like it's also the perfect segue into the outfits we want to ask you about. So again, you know, I think we would love yeah. to just know kind of the details behind the message she was hoping to send, um, how you adapted them for the show, and uh, and just talking about her most famous looks. I, I, so so to kick things off, her engagement suit, which I don't think there's a designer attached to. No, I think she bought it at Harrods. Okay, I think so. Oh right, off the rack. I think yes. so. But that engagement suit, that is where she's standing on a lower step Oh, than Prince Charles. Because, you know, they were basically the same height. How tall was Diana? She was around... 5'9", like, 5'10". Five, nine, five, five, and then their heels. And you can, uh, you can sort of uh, gauge the how well they're doing with each other of how long is she going to wear the flats. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. She started it's to break out the heels. Yeah. And you know, there's another one that you won't show just for fun. Talk about power dressing and making a point. You know, the, the very first trooping of the color, mm-hmm. uh, which is the queen's official birthday, is it 
what is it? The June. It just happened. Anyway, June. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yes, it just happened. And uh, she was uh, with with carrying William with child. And she knew that on that balcony, all the men were going to be in red uniforms with black trousers. And because that's, you know, for, shall we say, several hundred years, that's what they wear. The red coats are coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wears green. She wears emerald green, <laughs> standing between all those red ones. I thought, oh, you go, girl. Yeah. Something's up. Yeah. <laughs> You're not feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. I just thought I would tell you. No, that. I love that. I would just tell I you that. Because she knew what that balcony like. Yeah. And usually everyone, all the ladies, let the red be the reds you know they're all in whites and off whites and pastels and no -uh, emerald green like i am she was always this. a standout yeah but I'll, yeah but she really was not was. So not having a good time but the engagement so, yeah the engagement suit so the engagement the engagement that beautiful uh it's, it was a beautiful blue silk and uh i made it out of four ply silk uh so it would hang uh a certain way and last forever, you know, through a million, all these ch quick changes. And uh, yes, it was very ladylike and it had that collar mm -hmm. and that bow with those flying uh, birds on it. So yeah. um, what do you I think thought it looked very ladylike. And what do you think, what do you think the message was that she was trying to send with that? I mean, that was kind of a, I mean, it was a really big day I'm for her. I'm playing ball with you all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and also she had a blue uh Stone, not the same blue, but she had blue stone in her uh, engagement ring. And I think, you know, she was blonde and blonde and uh, and beautiful and blue. You know, blue is a blue is a blue, blue can be a passive color. Mm. So maybe I think this was a I'm playing ball with you all. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't it was a beautiful. But it wasn't royal blue. That one wasn't oh, like it was not royal. It was not blue. royal. Blue. No, I remember that distinction. It's sort of a cerulean blue, sort of a cerulean blue, but it was silk and it was quite lovely. And she wore it with almost flat shoes. So that was also, that's the giveaway too. What are the shoes? What are the shoes? What are the shoes? Yeah. In other words, how tall are you connected? Yeah. To, next to Prince Charles. <laughs> she didn't, she did. And then she, they, they, she was on the lower step. So he was taller than she was. Love that. The photos were great. Yeah, I didn't realize that she was on a lower step. That yeah. makes so much sense Absolutely. now. <laughs> All right. Well, note to self, you know, and, you know, when you're wanting to be charming or, or you know, or um, what was the story here? Yeah, exactly. What was yeah. the story here for the palace people taking the picture? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, so Remember she was new at this and that was how it went. So, yeah, there you go. yeah. absolutely. Well, so look it was also a little blousy. It was a little, it wasn't uh tight fitting at all. Remember, these were the that period. And so I took it in when I did my version of it, I took it in a little more so you'd see more of the body, but it was rather blousy. Yeah, uh, you're totally right. It was thinking of the photos. A lot of fabric there. A lot, a lot of, of fabric there. Sort of remember, this is also, since you're asking. This is the heyday of for for day clothes, not evening clothes, but day clothes. This is the heyday of Laura Ashley. Yeah, and Laura Ashley dressed women, and they obviously chose to be as little girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, there yeah. was a their embracing of uh, uh, I am I'm a, a little innocent. I'm a little girl. 
no matter what your age mm -hmm. is. But um, so that's it's in that. Remember, that's all, that's that's in that style. She she wore a lot of Laura Ashley type things with patterns. But this style to really go back to your actual question, which I I wander. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, she's the the queen still does this it's a solid strong color one color not a big pattern so that people can see you from a distance yep. see that's that's royal dressing now for the queen she does have coats that are the solid color and then underneath there's a dress that has prints this was this is the first example of her playing by the royal rules a bright color and then there was a blouse underneath that had a little pattern, coordinated pattern. Yeah. No, I love so you that. Can see her as one look, as one look. Absolutely. And I think that mentioning the Laura Ashley phase, let's talk about the wedding dress as the next look, because I think that that was a part oh of it. My. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my. Well, David and, and Elizabeth Emmanuel uh, created several things for her over the years, or, and, and she had met them. And there's all this intrigue about making duplicates and, you know, keeping it under wraps because every wedding dress, especially this one, was, um, you know, anticipated. That was the ultimate. I'll never forget seeing her get out live. Well, not, yes, live. It was early in the morning. See her get out of the, the uh, carriage. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, my goodness, look how wrinkled it all is. But, of course, I knew it was tissue, silk, 100% silk tissue taffeta. Yeah. Not satin, taffeta. Oh, and taffeta, part of the magic of taffeta is it crinkles. And you see that. And mm -hmm. But she basically was lost in a big meringue. Yeah. Now, many, now there's a big, <laughs> a perfect a big way of whipped, it. whipped meringue. But then there's so many imageries, images that go into weddings. You know, they, they begin, I, we're told back in Roman days, the Vestal Virgins were white and were veiled, so were totally veiled. But along the way, you know, various uh, people, including several of Queen Victoria's daughters, they did not wear white. When the pictures were pub printed in the newspaper, they looked like they were white because it was mm. black and white printing. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. So a lot of people wore yellow or pink or, or blue. And um, it was because of the way they were conveyed to the public that it looks like all brides are in white. Yeah, Isn't that, that fascinating? That is so interesting. So because you go to Kensington Palace every now and then and you look at royal wedding dresses and they're not all white. So... That, the Vestal Virgin idea, the I'm sort of a meringue, <laughs> this is not about me as a woman with a body. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep, interesting. It's being, I am a little doll dressed up. Mm -hmm. And that was and that's what, intentional. That's what was. That was very intentional. intentional. It was the fairy tale. On purpose. Mm -hmm. It's a fairy tale. I'm a fairy tale princess little girl turning into uh, an actual princess on this very day at such a ding, ding this now, now you're a princess. And um, she arrived as a sort of big dressed up doll and uh, exited as a princess. So there, and she was wearing the Spencer uh, tiara. She only wore the two, the two tiaras, you know, in her life. She liked her childhood family one, the Spencer, which she wore throughout her life. 
but she really loved the Cambridge uh, tiara, which Kate um, Kate wears now to great effect. It's beautiful. Yeah, it looks stunning. But on yes, Kate. that's wedding. So the wedding dress tells a lot of stories. All of the ones, and and not not uh, a womanly detail of it. A little girl. Yeah. It's a little girl. Absolutely. Well, she was nineteen. For heaven's sake, she was still a teenager. Yeah. But it just collides right. with no Meghan Markle dress, which was whoa gorgeous, or Kate's dress, which was you know, referencing uh, uh, Ke uh, Grace Kelly, yeah. Princess Grace. That right. was, but they were both very beautiful, very sophisticated. There's nothing sophisticated about <laughs> Princess Diana's dress. Not, not an ounce. Sends not a different ounce, message. Except for, of course, workmanship. The workmanship was sophisticated, it was beautifully done. I've studied details and um, I personally sewed all the beads on the dress. Wow. Uh, the one we used in La Jolla. Yep. And um, so I know how many <laughs> wow. and what the lace was. So um, great respect for the workmanship and the craftsmanship. Absolutely. A lot, of, uh, a lot of couture artistry went into that. So fascinating. Now, flip, flipping the script, what about the revenge dress? Totally opposite oh, time of our yes. life. <laughs> Is that in the Here show? Here we go. Is the revenge dress Here in the go. show or...? Or you can't. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Yes, the, Woo. the revenge dress has become one of the most famous dresses in the world uh, because, and she had um, Stambolian. Ms. Stambolian designed it. And everyone, when they found out, they thought it was she was a foreigner, but no, totally English, uh, but with a from another place name. Mm hmm. And she, Princess Diana had chosen it with whoever her people were. I can't believe after all this focus, I still don't know who were her, who were her people, <laughs> you know. And she had had it in her closet. And we make a big thing of the lyrics of the song, you'll see about wearing it, that it's slightly risque. Slightly. Anyway, it was, um, but boy, could she wear it. It was not appropriate for a the the certain royal events because for the very first time as a out in public it was a drop dead gorgeous sexy dress mm -hmm. sexy cocktail dress that uh everyone would want to wear right now i mean boy oh boy i i prophesy that uh various people will uh knock that off again again because <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just very very um now I had I looked at it structurally and I've seen it and it's really not black. It everyone thinks it's black, oh. but it's not. It's oh. inky blue. It's like one of those Mont Blanc blue blacks. Okay. You know, that is literally ink. And that's what it is, which of course works with the skin magnificently. Yeah. And that and, was kind uh, of her because it's not black. And and the occasion she wore it on it was it was really meant to that, you know, that was her messaging kind of was well, what happened was, according to our story, yeah. is Prince Charles, she, she was interviewed um, via Carrier Pigeon for one book for Andy Morton, and Prince Charles wanted to have his side heard. Mm -hmm. So he goes on television and is interviewed, and it's pre-taped. And it's getting, or, or how did they know what he was going to say? Maybe it was live. I don't know. But they knew he was going to fess up. And um, sh they knew that 
and she wanted to one up him. And so she wasn't, mm -hmm. she had not accepted this Serpentine Gallery, art gallery opening. But then uh, at the last minute, she decided to uh, play ball, uh, fastball. Yeah, fastball. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fastball. Yeah. And uh, so she did. She did it well. She did it well. She looked magnificent. She looked yeah. magnificent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was it was a slam dunk for sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I think the last look we wanted to bring up um, that has a you know a great amount of significance is the suit she wore or the outfit she wore when she met Mother Teresa. Or I know she met her a few times, but oh, I love. Yeah, oh. and and sort of what that means for you, what I, that meant for her. It, it means a lot to me when she, I'll go slowly so I won't cry. Um, there is a look that when she left the palace, she adopted. It is two-piece suits, very form-fitting, very form-fitting with a today point of view form-fitting and above the knee. She wore them above the knee and with no stockings. So these are all taken for granted today these choices you know every all the words i've just said back then this was revolutionary and what they meant to me and i know they meant it to her that's why it means it to me is i'm a woman now and she they were business suits there was no blouse underneath it mm -hmm. you see there i bet you there was a shell top so she could tell but we I have not seen yeah. it, um, but they were all and different sleeve lengths, some short, some long, and they were longer peplums, overlap. I mean, di they're different variations. And it just makes me tear up when I see her with Mother Teresa because there's Mother Teresa, almost half her, half her size in, of course, white with that blue stripe. And there's Princess Diana in white to honor the the white that Mother Teresa's wearing. But of course, she's above the knee, spike heels, kicker, you know. But doing her job, calling attention to Mother Teresa's charity. And uh, that was why she was there. And uh, obviously to meet and to, you know, bond. Yeah. But also, it would bring uh, support to Mother Teresa's uh, order and what they were doing to help people. So I love that look because Diana was so who she was. She wasn't playing by other people's games. That was her look. Yeah. No nonsense. I'm wearing a sexy business suit. I'm doing my, I'm doing my business. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. really had come into her own yeah. at that point. Totally, I'm totally. And no one wore it like that. And I'm telling you, when our Princess Diana shows up wearing that, we only have it in one scene. No, we have it in two scenes, different ones. It takes your breath away because it's the one you remember at the end. Yeah. And I mean, they're gasps yeah. when she walks out wearing, in this case, it's peach, but she's in a white one. She's in a Mother Teresa white one, you'll oh, see. We can't wait. And yeah, that's such an amazing can't photo. Tears me up. This eye, this eye does what it wants to do. This yeah. Is <laughs> oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's really emotional. <laughs> of course. We're so yeah, excited. To I know. See it. Well, William. Very personal, very emotional. Absolutely. Thank you thank so you much, William. So much we really for appreciate being here. We really it. appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you so much. That was such uh, a great chat. I love I I'm I cannot wait for the show to be back on Broadway. 
It makes me so excited. I know I was so bummed that my tickets got refunded because it, the show was canceled that I um, was supposed to go to back in May, but I cannot wait for it to be back. Um, so before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we'll quickly go through our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. So my low for this week, it's a little outdated, um, but people are using the grounds of the Queen's Castle as a toilet. This report came out a couple weeks ago, but Whoa. it is. <laughs> I know, I didn't. I was like, wait a second, I have to talk about this. Um, so yeah, I'm a little late to this, but Balmoral Estate reminded people not to use the grounds of the Royal Castle as a loo. Balmoral is the Queen's Scottish estate, as we all know, and its Twitter account is very active. Um, they posted... <laughs> I was going to say just like the bowels of its visitors, but I... <laughs> Come on, that's so good. You got to... <laughs> I had to say it. I had to say it. Um, yeah, so the Twitter account posted that people have been defecating on the grounds and leaving wet wipes behind, presumably because public restrooms there were closed because of COVID. Gross. So it's... Yeah, it's super gross. So at BalmoralCastle.com is the handle, and they followed up with specific instructions for people who need to relieve themselves outside on the grounds. They said if you need to pee, please don't do it, you know, close to streams or lochs as they call them which are rivers uh or no lakes lakes sorry uh, I for, i'm forgetting my scottish um and yeah so they ended up opening public toilets last week so you know controversy averted but i just feel like it's it's uh it's interesting that a social media account that's like associated with the royals is tweeting about poo like I just... <laughs> it's dumping in the woods are people dubbing it poop gate I, I dubbed it Poopgate. I said it was Royal Poopgate. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, I get uh, Town & Country's editor Carolyn Halliman's weekly email newsletter, and also she's been a guest on this pod before, and in it she said her story about uh, this royal hashtag Poopgate is possibly the pinnacle of my journalistic career. I just... <laughs> I laughed at that. I lolled at that, Caroline. Thank you for that. Oh my gosh, too good. Well, my low of the week is on a definitely different note, but it's uh, the quest <laughs> to reveal Meghan Markle's friends. The latest in the legal action against the male on Sunday. The Duchess of Sussex filed a witness statement at London's High Court of Justice last week in an effort to protect her friends, stating, these five women are not on trial, nor am I. Each of these women is a private citizen, young mother, and each has a basic right to privacy. I mean, this is just a an ongoing low for me, but and I won't read the full statement from Megan, but the mail on Sunday's response is basically, we have no intention of sharing their identities, but FYI, we see no reason why they should stay secret. Gross. That's just like, no, I mean, it feels good. like I can understand Megan's stress over this, but, you know, Megan is requesting that the court protect their identities, plus publishing the names could lead to witness intimidation if they're asked to be a witness in the trial. So... It's very complex, but I imagine just having to write these statements over and over again from her is just painstaking and awful. As personally curious as I am about who they are, I just feel like, you know, she's so right. They do need to be protected. They shouldn't be, you know, their their identities shouldn't be published amidst the trial. Like, at least wait till after the trial mm-hmm. if that's what she's worried about. You know, it's, it's just so... It's such a circus, yeah. I know, it really is. So, but on lighter news, my high of the week is that Megan and Harry were spotted out in L.A. And I think for the first time since April, um, they were spotted out, you know, not doing their charity work just out and about. So they were pictured um, leaving the dentist office, supposedly. Um, so I was wondering, is Megan prepping for her 
keynote speech that we just saw where she could flash <laughs> we all her need pearly a cleaning. Whites. Come on. We're yeah. all I overdue mean, for a dental cleaning. Her, her teeth looked amazing. So maybe that was it. But yeah, so Harry was wearing the same gray polo he's worn in earlier paparazzi pics of them. And it makes me think he has like seven of that polo. Like he just wears the same thing or like he didn't pack enough for LA. I'm just like, I don't there know. There are what Twitter memes, there. I think, showing that where it's like he really is wearing the same hue in every. In I every, love it. I love it. And then she, she wore a very comfy looking cream colored linen dress um retails for only 76 dollars by magic linen which is a female-led company and it's not sold out which is cool and it's not sold out and uh, yeah and they focus on sustainability but they have i think it was like fully stocked the last time i looked um and then she wore two-tone chanel ballet flats and a straw sun hat um i just i really like her laid back la style yeah, I'm, digging it. I'm loving it. More appearances, please. Yes, definitely. <laughs> My high is big. The Crown season six, it's happening. Uh, what a great, like, uplifting way to end last week. But the series we was had so- the Crown last week too. I know, we had big news, so many and now highs. Again, yeah, the series was supposed to wrap after season five, but Netflix just confirmed it would extend to include one more. Um, it's a high for me because the fact. It, the fact of the matter is it's just more royal content, of course, but we know that season four is set to be released later this year, barring COVID complications. We know that it's centered around Charles and Diana. So my high relates to the fact, does this mean that if the season four is covering the early-ish 80s, we're mm-hmm. assuming, does that mm-hmm. mean that we're going to get to see William and Harry's lives play out? Right. Season five, 90s, season six. I yeah. mean, reports I mean, say that they are not, like the creators of the show say they're staying away from present day, but oh, that was pre this decision. So has that changed? Dun, dun, dun. Has it changed? Ooh, that's so exciting. I can't wait. I hope it's, you know, and I think I read somewhere that um, the creator of the series said, like, they'll just do more detail and it'll be very, it'll be much more in-depth and I'm excited for even that even I'm if it doesn't cover it all right even if it doesn't cover the fab four like bring it on yeah because there's so many crown. events that are you just learn so many things about so much about the historical I know. Love it. All right. So just a reminder before we close this episode, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Here's a real review from Saltwater Girl 777. She said, I have been listening from the beginning and the new hosts have brought such an amazing new energy and love of all things royal to the podcast. You are missing out on weekly happiness by not listening. Thanks for all you're doing on the podcast, Roberta and Rachel. Very sweet. Weekly Weekly happiness. happiness. (laughs) Should be our time. Here, here. (laughs) Yes. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and the Facebook group. And you can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. You can follow us personally on Instagram. I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. And till next week. God God save the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.